What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Jennifer's here. We're gonna take the new truck for a spin. Well, bring her along. This concerns her, too. Wait a minute, Doc. What are you talking about? Now, what happens to us in the future? <laughs> hey, Doc, you better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. Hey, Marty! Marty! Marty, I wanted to show you these matchbooks for my auto detailing I had printed up. Like the Church here in Jackson, Missouri, and we want to invite you personally to come out next week and join us and become a part of what God is doing right here in Jackson, Missouri. The address is 381 East Deerwood Drive, Jackson, and that is the Jackson Civic Center, which is where we are currently meeting. Those here, welcome. I hope everybody had a good week. I know I'm tired. We just got on vacation, and I am beat, but we're going to go ahead and get through this anyway. Today we are continuing our Back to the Future series, and for those of you who missed last week, I'm going to give a brief update on what we talked about last week. Last week we began the series talking about vision. We talked about there is a vision that you have for your life, and what I would always say is that even if you're breathing right now, God still has a purpose for your life. So whether you're 
zero or a hundred years old, God's got a purpose for you because you wouldn't be here if he did not. So it's time to figure out and the church to get back to the future, which is what we got to the title. Our vision is our future. Where are we headed? What direction are we going in life? Where do you want your family to go? Where do you, where do you see yourself in five years? I know if you've been to college, you've heard that question because they want to make sure you know where you've got goals. And the reason they have you do those goals is so that you know what direction you're headed. And you would be surprised, and I kind of mentioned this last week, that if you will write down the goals that you have for your life, then that's when they'll start. You'd be surprised how many would actually come true because you are writing down where you're headed. And I also mentioned that back in November, we had a vision casting meeting because the Civic Center was closed for Veterans Day. So we met out at Delmonico's. We had a vision casting meeting. If you remember, I gave you a list. And that list is where we see this church in five years. What are our goals? That gives you a direction. That gives us a direction. So we have a vision as a church here at Next Level Freedom Church, but also you should have your own personal vision for your life for your family, and today we're going to be continuing talking about vision, and we're going to talk about the word change. To some people, that can seem kind of like a cuss word, because you're saying change. We, we get so adapted to the way things are that we don't like to see change. As humans, you've ever been in those situations where something changed, somebody moved something maybe, and you're in your mind, you were so upset because something has changed. But here's what I want to encourage you with this morning. Change is how we keep moving forward. There's always got to be change. There's one thing I would like to be constant here at Next Level Freedom Church, and that is change. I want things to be changing, moving. We want to be relevant to those in our society. Our vision statement, reaching others where they're at. The only way we're going to do that is if we're relevant. So that protects part of change. But do you know that it takes change to make a vision come true? Let's go ahead and read our key scripture for this entire series that came out of Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Those of you here, you can tune up on the screen. Those tuning online, it's right there below. If you want to look it up in your Bible, go to Matthew, make a left, and you'll be at Habakkuk in about five or six books. It's down there. This is the Minor Prophets. So it's kind of one of those books that sometimes we tend to forget about, those little big books, those books that aren't that big that you skim over in your Bible. But this is a common verse if you've been, you've heard of any messages basically on vision. And here's what it says. Back up chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that they may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, and it will not tarry. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for those that are here, Lord, those that are tuning online. Lord, we ask that you give them a special blessing, that you would speak your words through me, Lord, not that they would not be my own. We thank you. We praise you for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So Habakkuk chapter 2 kind of gives us the key to casting vision. You notice... The first thing he told him to do was write it down. We just talked about that. He wants you to write it down because there's something to writing things down that helps you accomplish it. Maybe if you're like me, then there's a day that I actually get off, which isn't very often. But if I get those days off, I tend to write down some things I'd like to accomplish that day. Did you ever notice that on those days that you write stuff down to do, you accomplish more? Or it seems like you do because you can mark them off as you go. 
But then those days that you may not write it down, you get to doing something, you may jump over here, and you know, maybe you're a little OCD, or maybe you're ADD, whatever, and you're moving, and you forget about something over here, So that, but, but you didn't write it down. So the goal when you write stuff down is just to kind of make a little checklist. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. It helps us stay focused, which we talked a little bit about last week about vision, taking focus. Now, let's talk about our key scripture we're going to be reading this morning, which is Nehemiah chapter 2. Verses 11 and 12, and then we're going to jump to verses 15 to 16. Not that the in-betweens aren't important, but we're trying to hit the highlights. Go ahead and read with us this morning. It says, I went to Jerusalem. It's talking about Nehemiah. And after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me, he's talking about his animal that he's riding, except one I was riding on. Jumping down to verse 15, it says, So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall, and finally I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as of yet, I had not said any nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles, or officials, or any others who would be doing the work. <laughs> Did you notice that part? The ones that are doing the work, he hasn't said anything yet. Now, sometimes with vision, it's best not to say anything. God's given you something that he wants you to accomplish in your life, and it's best to just keep it to yourself for a while. Because here's what happens. Once you start telling people about your vision, and maybe you're not ready to start yet, but you're telling people, there's always going to be those people that start talking, oh, he can't do that, or she can't do that. And they start speaking all this stuff in the atmosphere against you. And the next thing you know, you could end up in a mess. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that until the proper time, you don't reveal that vision to other people. Because if God has given you the vision, remember we talked a little last week about Marty and Doc, and how Doc was crazy, probably in Marty's eyes, because there's a car coming at you at 88 miles per hour. And you're standing there looking at me saying, where are you going? Get back over here or watch this. And you're like, watch what? I'm getting ready to die is probably what Marty was thinking. I'm getting ready to get hit by a DeLorean, right? So, so those type of things may seem crazy to the world until they're ready to receive it. And also you need to remember that not everybody is going to be for you when you start casting vision. They may be against everything you're doing. You tell the wrong person, they're going to start speaking against what you're doing. And you don't want that to happen. So hold that vision until the right time and God tells you to begin to share it with others. So here's the point number one. We're talking about change today. Is that change begins with you. You can't cast a vision and expect other people to get on board with your vision. Unless you're willing to make some changes. What do I got to do to see this thing come to pass? What do I need to be doing? So here in Marty's life, here's... Let's talk about Back to the Future for a minute. Marty's life became what he had always wanted it to be. If you remember at the end of Back to the Future Part 1, last week's movie we talked about, Marty had everything that he always wanted. He had the perfect family, it seemed. Everything was right. He got his dad not to make the mistake he had made all those years ago and stand up for himself. He gets home. He's got that new Toyota truck. Everything is right there. That he's always wanted. Then his girlfriend shows up. And you know, we saw, we saw that here just a minute ago. And now, you know, the day is made. This scene you actually saw actually was at the end of Back to the Future. The first one. And Marty's life seems to be perfect. And then guess what? Doc showed up again. <laughs> 
So wait a minute. <laughs> Did you notice Marty's reaction? Maybe we should hold up to the next point to talk about that. But Hebrews 6, 9 to 12, it says, Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. <clears throat> to, let's see. Uh-oh, I just skipped. Hang on. Yeah, put that. To imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So change begins with you. In other words, Paul, or whoever wrote Hebrews, some people think it was Paul. We're not really sure who wrote Hebrews. But whoever wrote the book of Hebrews is trying to encourage you to continue with what you're doing because God sees what you're doing. And he wants you to imitate those who through faith inherit what has been promised. Or if you keep pushing forward when God gives you that vision for your life, for your family, for your job, whatever it is, for your church, if you're a member of a church, whatever it is, as you're moving forward, you're to imitate that faith and patience to inherit what has been promised. Let's move on there in Nehemiah 2, verse 17. It says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. And I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start building. So, that, so they began this good work. Point number two is that people change when they see the problem. You want people to get on board with your vision or whatever it is God's giving you. Remember we talked last week. Vision begins with a burden. What is it that heart, makes you mad or makes you sad or you see and it pulls and it tugs on your heart? Whether it's serving in the community, whatever it is. Whatever that is, it's pulling you out. People, because remember we talked about it, it always involves others if it's a God vision. Because it's too big for us to accomplish. And it, depending on the size of the vision, depends on how big of, how many people are going to be going with you on that vision. So depending on that size, but when, you, when they see and realize, you've got to be able to convince them there's a problem. But first, they've got to trust you. So it starts with trust. Do they trust you to fulfill that vision? If you approach your family today and you say, you know what? Here's the vision I have for this family. Let's go in this direction. But the family doesn't trust you. <laughs> then you're not doing anything. Or whatever your vision is. That was just one example. So you've got to earn their trust first. They, they actually... Build on your character, who you are, before they grab a hold of your vision. So people are going to change, but they've got to realize that there's a problem first. Well, what is the problem here? Marty's standing there. If you remember the scene, we just kind of showed it on the screen. That Marty's standing there, and Doc says, hurry up, get in the car. And Marty's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I just got here. Jennifer's here. We're going to take the new trucks for a spin, right? He was ready to go enjoy something because he had just got off a mission, right? And now Doc's standing here saying, get in the car. we got more to accomplish. Now, remember, to Marty, this was last night that he had left and went to back in time. But to Doc, he's already been in the future a while. He's seen some things. Now he's coming back that morning. And Marty's like, what? So it wasn't 
when Marty found out that it was about his kids, and Doc was persistent enough, remember Doc's like, get in the car, it's got to do with her too, get in the car, he decided to go. So now Marty's like, I was just getting ready to enjoy this, I was getting ready to have some fun, I just put in the work, what the heck, why do I got to go back? But then he ended up getting in the car, and we find out that there was a lot more in store for Marty than what started from going back to the 50s and coming back. Romans 12, 9 to 12 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Did you catch that last verse? That sounds like a lot to ask, doesn't it? Be joyful in hope. In other words, you've got hope. You may not see it right now. And remember, the visionary gets this strange looks a lot because they see things that people don't see yet. They can see, they may be looking at a pasture and looking out there and saying, I see a, I see a community center, I see a building, whatever. I see all this thing. I see a change happening. But the people that look at the field are just seeing a field. They don't see anything until they're convinced that something is coming. So he says, be joyful in hope. Be joyful even though, keep hoping, even though... It doesn't look so great right now. Patient and affliction. We hate that P word of patience. We hate that word. It means waiting. It means being patient for the right time. Our key passage says, write it down. Make it plain. What did it say back in Habakkuk? I'm jumping up for just a second. But the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, there's that waiting, that patience thing. Wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. If it's a God vision, if it's a vision God has given you, then it will come to pass. We've just got to have patience to see it come to pass, whatever it is. But then it also says faithful in prayer. How many of y'all could be honest right now enough to say, you know what? That prayer time that you're talking about, it's not where it needs to be yet. And that's fine. Everybody struggles with that. But you need to be faithful in prayer. You need to be coming to God. You need to be praying. You need to be in your Bible. You need to be in your Word. That's why we say daily. Get in your word, read your word, pray, spend time with God so that you can see things accomplished because God wants a relationship with you above everything else. Remember we mentioned, I don't know if it was last week or one of the other messages, that whole corporations have come crumbling down because God wanted to reach that one in charge for that relationship purpose. So get your relationship required with God right first. Nehemiah 2, 19 to 20. We're going to continue reading there. It says, But when Sanballat, I'm not sure, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite, official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. In other words, these guys have heard that they're going to rebuild these walls that are crumbled down here in Jerusalem. Let's continue on reading there. They said, what is this you were doing? They asked, are you rebelling against the king? And I answered, this is Nehemiah talking. I answered them saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, I like this part, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. He wasn't blessing them. <laughs> Because you guys are against us, opposing us, you don't got any right to anything that we're getting ready to accomplish, but it's getting ready to accomplish. Point number three is that critics will try to stop you. 
Whatever it is your vision is, critics are going to try to stop you. Now check it out. According to Back to the Future, right? Back to the Future 2 now. That's where we're at. Remember, Marty, Marty gets back from the future in an alternate 1985 because Biff, in the future, stole the time machine, went to the past, gave himself the answers to all the winnings, and he became this billionaire, millionaire, rich guy in the 80s when they get back to the 80s. Now this whole world's a mess. Now what happens, though? When Biff changed the reality that Marty remembered, Marty was almost killed trying to get it back. Remember? He tried to change it back. As soon as he mentioned the magazine or the sports almanac, if you've seen the movie, Biff got his gun out and was shooting at Marty. Matter of fact, he gets him out on the roof, and if you remember the scenes, and Marty, he was getting ready to jump. He did jump. He jumped onto the Lord, but Biff didn't see that. But anyway, what he'd done is he accomplished that. He got the almanac to get back. He had to figure out how to get back to the past and take what had been changed and put things back to normal. So he had to figure out where was it that Biff put this, and the reason he did that is because he wanted to change so bad. He had a vision. I, have, I had a life. I had a perfect life. I'm going to get it back. What do I have to do to see it change? But Biff could be representative of the critics that were going to try to stop you. And he literally was trying to kill Marty in order to change this back. James 1, 2, and 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Sometimes that's tough to swallow, right? He says, be joy. Let you, let, consider it pure joy when you go through trials. What? I'm supposed to be happy that I'm going through right now? Yeah, that's what he's saying. Because he says your faith in what's to come is what produces that perseverance and keeps you going forward. And you let that perseverance finish the work that it's beginning in you. And when it becomes mature, it becomes complete. But in order to do that, you've got to get past your doubt. You've got to get past the critics. People are always, can I just say, no one is always going to like whatever it is you're trying to do. I get messages. I mean, most of them get deleted. I don't. I don't mess around with that stuff. People that are throwing things, why I shouldn't accomplish what we're trying to accomplish here in Jackson. Some vulgar stuff I ain't going to go into. There's always people that aren't going to agree with what you're trying to accomplish. So you just need to understand that the critics are going to be there. What are you going to let the critics do? Are you going to let them give you that boost you need to keep pushing forward and accomplish the vision you have? Or are you going to let them stop you dead in your tracks, telling you you can't do it enough? That you just give up. It's up to you. The choice is up to you. Let's move on though. And Nehemiah, we're going to jump over to chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 4 and 6. Then we're going to jump down to verse 15. It says, Hear us, our God. We are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. I'm going to stop there for just a second. And let you kind of know that while they're trying to build this wall, there were people throwing things at them. There were people talking down to them, speaking against them. It got physical. You're going to find that out as we get ready to make a, a point here in just a minute. 
Verse 15 says, When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. There was a plot against Nehemiah. They were trying to have him killed. I'll let you go back and read that for yourself. But that's the plot he was talking about here. Verse 16 says, From that day on, half my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all of the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand, and check this out, and held a weapon in the other. So it was serious. They're working with one hand, they got a weapon in the other, just in case there's an attack coming behind them while they're trying to build this wall. We're going to talk about that more in just a second. And each of the builders, verse 18, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. So let me just say that change, point number four, change takes determination. How determined are you to see this thing come to pass? They were determined enough here that they were willing to have a weapon on one side and build with the other side. And there were people behind them to help them in case war came. So they weren't just dealing with insults. They were dealing with war. People were coming against them. Remember we talked about last week that the walls were basically your only force or your only source of defense. Back in this day, there were walls around the cities. And the bigger your wall, the harder it was to conquer. Those were to keep the enemies out and protect those who were on the inside. Jerusalem didn't have that. That's why Nehemiah was so burdened. He was trying to build this wall up again. And while they're building, people are coming against them. So the critics are always going to be there. The question is, are you determined enough to see this vision God has given you come to pass? Here's, check it out. Marty was determined to fix what Biff had changed. Going back to Back to the Future. That determination took him back to the 50s again. So in part two, Marty's in 85. He finds out it was the, almost the same day. It seems like that Marty had went back in time. Biff had took that some reason back in time the same day Marty goes back he has to go back to the 50s we're going to talk more about his trials here in just a second but check out Philippians 1 6 it says being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus so your confidence your determination is that if he began this in me if he gave this to me if it's a God vision he is going to see it Come to pass. That's where your confidence comes. Until the day of Christ, or you know, the day you go through the box, whichever way it is. But until the day you die, you're going to accomplish this vision that God has for your life. Let's go ahead and wrap up the scriptures from Nehemiah today, and then we'll talk a little bit more and we'll wrap this thing up. Nehemiah 6, 1 to 3. Here's what it says. When the word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, to the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall. And not a gap was left in it. Though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gate. So he's got the wall up. Now he's got to get the gate going. you got to get that done. So at this time he's got this wall. Then Sambalat and Geshem sent me this message. Come let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Anno. But they were scheming to harm me. Verse 3 says, So I sent messengers to them with this reply, I am carrying on a great project that cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Woo. 
Here it is. Check, check out one of the other translations. I like it a little bit better. Here's what the new King James had to say. He sent a messenger saying, I am doing a great work. So I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? So those critics, those distractions that would come, he basically said, uh, uh-uh, I ain't got time. I'm doing a good work. I'm doing what God has called me to do. I don't have time to mess around with you when God has got me a mission to accomplish. So check it out. Point number five, change takes focus. You've got to be focused on the outcome, focused on where you're headed. You can't let little distractions because people will do it. We talked about it in previous messages. People will do it. They will come. They will try to distract you. They will get you totally off subject. But you can't let that. You've got to be able to stay focused on what it is God had. Now check it out. When Marty went back in time, back to the movie, he had to be careful not to run into his other self because he was there in the 50s that, at that time. And he had to complete the mission at the same time. He had to stay focused. He had to watch out for his other self, which he kind of knew where he was going to be. But he also had to focus on getting this almanac out of the hands of Biff so that he could change the future back to the what it needed to be. So he had to stay focused. He had a mission. He was there to accomplish that mission. So even though distractions came, he saw himself playing Johnny B. Good. He thought, well, you know what? I'm playing Johnny B. Good. Whatever it is, those things are going to come. You've just got to make sure you keep your focus. Philippians 3, 12 to 14 says, Not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now check it out. Paul here. This is the same guy that was persecuting, killing Christians. He was holding the coast for the people that were stoning the Christians. He had all this persecution going on. Jesus talks to him, gets him saved. He changes his life totally. Now he's, he writes two-thirds of your New Testament. He comes back. He writes that. But here's the deal. Paul, of all people, could have focused on his past. Now, too, I can't, I'm not worthy, God. I've messed up too many times. He could have done that, but he didn't. What did he say? He said, forgetting what is behind and straying toward what is ahead. We can't change the past, but we can change history. What do you mean? Well, when I started this message, the beginning of this message now is past. But if I make a decision today to strive towards my vision, whatever it is, then I'm going to change my history. I can't do anything about the past. I can't change that. But I can change history because I can accomplish starting now. You've got to set your mind to the goal and set your mind on what you're striving for. But if you can do that starting now, you can change your history. Marty was there to complete the mission. Now, we'll talk about part three next week and how Marty kind of got left in the 50s for a little bit, but finally figured out how to get back to 1985. But uh, so take focus. Make sure you're focused. Make sure you're striving on what you have to accomplish in this life. Don't get distracted. Now, one thing that can tend to distract us is our past. And that's why we talked about the past. That's why we mentioned Paul's scripture there in Philippians. 
The past can be an ultimate distraction. People on Facebook messaging me, I don't think I'm worthy. God, God doesn't, he doesn't love me. He can't. I've made too many mistakes. No, no, no. That's the past. God wants to change your future or change your history. The question is, are you going to allow him to? If you're tuning online, I want to start with you. The place you begin is with salvation. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's where you start. That's where you need to start. Before you even worry about vision, that's the first change, I guess, that you need to make is changing your direction. You're going this way. You're repenting. You're going to go this way. You simply ask. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day. Becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, if you pray that prayer from the bottom of your heart, that's where your journey starts. Then you can start trying to figure out what it is God has for you. You may already have an idea of what that is. So if you do, let me encourage you to press on toward that prize. Just like Paul was saying, he presses on towards the prize. He presses on towards his future. Not worrying about those things that are behind him. Let's move forward. Let's change our history today. If you're tuning online, I want to encourage you to tune in next week. We're going to wrap up Back to the Future next week and get ready to start The Hobbit the following week. We're having fun in our summer, summer at the movies. So tune in next week. You can catch part three, which we're going to be talking next week about release. And we'll talk a little bit more about what I mean by release next week. So if you're tuning online, thanks for tuning. God bless. I'll see you.